Local media outlets are essential. In 2020, as communities, businesses, and citizens came to terms with a pandemic that disrupted the flow of daily life, the need for accurate local information escalated. Information including which businesses were open, which were closed, where to get tested, and vaccinated. When media organizations closed their newsrooms and went remote, the reporting did not stop. They held local government accountable, documented historic moments for social justice, shared the humanity behind tragedy. Meanwhile, the funding for that work was drying up. Businesses whose ads helped support the media were closed. Revenue disappeared. Donating today at SaveChicagoMedia.org can ensure your local newsroom continues reporting the stories that matter despite the current economy. Investing in local media is funding your community. Give today and help us do the work that matters. Donate now at SaveChicagoMedia.org. Bienvenidos a todos. You are listening to the Paseo Podcast, where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. My name is Joshua Smeza de Leon, and I want to thank you for downloading this episode. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are streamed, give this podcast a like and subscribe to it. It makes a world of difference. We started this podcast as a way to bring attention to the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here in Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world. From La Isla to the diaspora, we hope you enjoy what you hear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Paseo Podcast. It's Joshua here, freshly back from a long vacation. Glad to be back in action with you all. If you want to follow me, I'm at JSDeLeon on Twitter. If you want to pitch a story, reach out to the, the show. Uh, visit our website, paseomedia.org. Find us at Paseo Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We post the interview portions of our episodes on our YouTube channel, so you can give those a watch. While you are there, though, like our videos and subscribe to our channel. It really helps us out. On today's show, we welcome Boricua multimedia artist from Chicago, Ali Six, to the show. I know him as Nico, so you're going to hear me call him that during this episode. He was born and raised right here in Humble Park, the heart of the Boricua community in Chicago. Since he was a kid, he used his imagination to create cartoons and in high school painted the streets of Chicago. Uh, after realizing there was more to art than just graffiti, he combined that, um, that knowledge, what he learned through spray paint and his love of cartoons to create his character, Richie the Raccoon. Um, so if you actually live in Chicago, uh, probably other parts of uh, the world, you might have seen his character. Uh, definitely if you live in Chicago, you've seen his character all over the city. He uses Richie the Raccoon to liven up the streets of Chicago and around the world with murals. Throughout his journey, he's actually had to teach himself how to do things like graphic design, tattoos, wheat paste, spray paint, make toys, acrylic paint, and even hand sculpt. You name it, he's most likely learned it or plans to learn it. Among other things, on today's episode, we're going to discuss the role Aladdin and Michael Jordan both played in his name, Ali Six, his three key takeaways for aspiring artists that he's learned in his career, what getting arrested meant for his trajectory in the Chicago art scene, and where in the diaspora the Hibarito was first created. But before we get into the interview, a couple reminders, actually not a couple, like three, um, but um, you heard this at the top of the show. 
And you're going to hear it again in Spanish deeper into this episode. But the Paseo podcast is taking part in a fundraiser with the Chicago Independent Media Alliance, SEMA. Our push is to save Chicago media. So please visit savechicagomedia.org to donate and to ensure independent media like the Paseo podcast continues reporting the stories that matter despite the current economy. Again, that's savechicagomedia.org. I've also included the link in the show notes for reference. So far, pretty impressive. We've raised $50,000 for independent media outlets across the city. That doesn't mean the podcast gets all that money, not even close to that. Um, there's like 43 other organizations participating. So that's kind of like the overall general pot. What we get depends on your generosity. And as of today, there is only one more day left to give. So please make sure to visit savechicagomedia.com to donate directly to the Paseo podcast so we can keep doing the work that matters. Every bit helps, whether that's $1, $10 or $100. Go to savechicagomedia.com to, to help us out. Friendly reminder that this Saturday, June 12th, is the Basel Podcast Discussion Group in partnership with the Chicago Public Library. It's virtual, so you don't have to be in Chicago to participate. We're going to take a deeper dive into the topics we discuss here on the show, so join in. Looks like we have a good group so far, but there is always space for more, so the more the merrier. You can also go to the events tab on shypublib, that's C-H-I-P-U-B-L-I-B.org to register. Just type in Basel Podcast and we'll pop right up. Whew, man, I'm just realizing how packed the next couple of days are gonna be because also happening this Saturday, June 12th is Bomba Live 2. It's a virtual Puerto Rican festival that is raising money for domestic violence organizations serving the Puerto Rican community. It's gonna happen from 1 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time. That's 2 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time, if I'm doing the math correctly. Uh, and the Basel Podcast is gonna be a part of it. We were asked to join the festival to talk about gentrification in Puerto Rico. So uh, if you want, you can stay for the whole thing. If not, at least tune in for our segment. It's going to start at 1.45 p.m. Central Time. That's 2.45 p.m. Eastern Time. I even have a promo code for you all to use at registration. So if you use the promo code BOMBA05, you're going to only pay $9 to get in. So a nice little discount. Again, all the money goes to domestic violence organizations serving the Puerto Rican community. So it's a really good cause. Again, the offer code is BOMBA05. Make sure to use it. Okay, normally I'd share a Puerto Rican news rundown at this point, but I just got back from vacation and I am swimming, swimming in PR news that I still need to wrap my head around. From Logan Paul problematically saying he's from Dorado, Puerto Rico during his fight with Floyd Mayweather to Puerto Rico's governor surprisingly signing a bill protecting pensions on La Isla to the current blackout happening on the island thanks to the privatization of its electrical grid now run by American company Luma despite protests against this privatization for weeks. It's a lot, y'all. And what I just shared is only scratching the surface of PR news. So, um, you know, best believe next week we'll be back with more news. I know the past couple weeks I was out of the country, so uh, you weren't getting that uh, straight up Puerto Rican news rundown. So, again, my apologies for that. But, you know, I got to have that work-life balance and, um, you know, get some rest in, recharge mind, body, and soul. 
Um, so I appreciate your patience, but uh, best believe, like I said, we're gonna be back again next week with a Puerto Rican news rundown. So speaking of next week, that episode is actually gonna be our last weekly episode before going on summer vacation. We're still gonna drop episodes over the summer, but it just won't be at the same pace until we ramp back up before Labor Day weekend. That's all I have for now. Let's jump into the interview with Ali Six. Bienvenido a todos. It is the Paseo Podcast. It is Tuesday, May 25th, and we're especially happy to welcome our next guest, Ali Six. He is a multimedia artist from Chicago. I know him as Ali Six, but I also know him as Nico Locander. If you're in Chicago, you've seen his art all over the place. How are you doing? Welcome to the Paseo Podcast. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. What should our audience know about you? I am an artist from Chicago. I started drawing cartoons when I was younger. Then in high school, I got into graffiti, which was, you know, learning typography and learning how to do bubble letters around the city, vandalizing, uh, using spray paint. Um, it taught me color theory and uh, how to take a sketch to a wall. Once I got arrested a couple of times, I figured graffiti wouldn't be a stable way to make a living. So I um, figured if I combine my love of cartoons when I was younger with what I learned from graffiti. Um, maybe I can produce a, a wide body of work that would be in galleries and I can, you know, happily make a career out of it. Um, so I created a cartoon character um, called Richard the Raccoon and um, he embolizes everything uh, that who I am, I guess. Uh, whereas I'll paint him skateboarding, playing basketball, um, my heritage being Puerto Rican, um, you know, I'll paint him doing graffiti. Um, so it's a direct reflection of who I am. Uh, and he's definitely the, the subject of my work is Richard Eric. I remember um, years ago seeing some of your art and I always found it interesting that you kind of bring in interests into your raccoon character. And then I had seen another one of yours where it was raccoon, um, your raccoon character with, I think Scotty Pippen, if I'm remembering correctly, does that sound familiar? Yeah, this is like back, uh, this is like back in the day. Yeah, it's a collaboration I did with uh, my good friend Deal. Um, he works at Saint Alfred. Yeah, he's an amazing artist. One of the people who inspired me to learn how to acrylic paint when I was younger. But yeah, I did a collaboration with him. I also released that exactly what you're talking about that image on um, apparel a couple of weeks ago, um, which was like a pre-order only for a weekend. Are you putting your art on apparel regularly? Or I know you said it was only for like a limited time, but are you like always putting new apparel out or was that just like a, a one-time thing? Yeah, no, so I definitely do uh, merchandise. Um, I try not to flood my market. So the reason why I did create the, uh, I brought back the image that I did with Deal, uh, which was inspired by the flu game, um, mm -hmm. game with, with Jordan when he uh, got sick uh, and played played the playoff game and they still won. From like setting up your show, other projects to apparel, like is that all just going through you and you're flying solo or like do you have a, a bit of help? I pretty much do everything myself. Um, you know, there, there are people who can do certain things that I cannot. So like my roommate, he scopes um, on Blender and he can, he can create animations. I can't do that, you know, mm -hmm. but if... You know, if I need that, I, I'll pay him to create those files, um, you know, and 
one of my friends, he does ceramics and pottery, you know, so I'm, I don't have the time to dabble into that because I know that's something that takes uh, a lot of time to master. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I'll pay him to create, you know, mugs, ceramic mugs or whatever, but whatever I can learn how to do that, I, I figure, you know, it doesn't take much time. Uh, I do myself and I design everything, um, from a merchandise and I, I paint everything myself, um, my murals. I'm usually painting alone because I paint very fast. Um, I've gotten really uh, just well acquainted with how to paint a mural and then uh, as well as being physically fit, um, I keep my body um, pretty pretty well, uh, how you say, nourished. You know, like I, I recently turned vegan for like the last three months and um, I have an in-home gym. So I constantly, at least two times a week, I'm working out. Uh, so I'm able to create large murals uh, at a fast rate because, you know, my body isn't aching compared to how, you know, it, it might be for other people. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, and I don't know that many people that aren't in the art world you know, really, under, really understand that, that it's more than just about the skill set you have that's a part of you or even like the the mental toughness to like map things out and then actually implement, you know, the idea you have or you've, you've drawn out, but to also like push yourself physically. Like I've seen you, I saw you, I remember seeing you put a mural up uh, right. and like, I just see you like pumping it on this ladder, man. You're just like moving back and forth and you're like just getting it done. You were updating a, a previous mural that you had done in the same location. Um, and it was a hot ass day. So <laughs> I was just like, man, I sweat like walking to like take out my trash. Like, and this guy's out here you know, multiple feet mural, uh, putting it together. So I, I think that's a, a really strong point. Like there is a physicality to it. So taking care of your body, staying hydrated, especially on those hot, hot days. I mean, that you've got to be turning these out at, at a rapid clip whenever a commission comes through, I'm sure, which is probably why people are always, um, asking you or, or throwing work your way. Um, and even like seeing you collaborate with other artists, I think is important too. I mean, have you found that in the Chicago art scene, do you feel like a lot of artists are like have that same collaborative spirit or do you feel like a majority of artists here in Chicago are kind of like, no, this is just my lane. I'm going to stick to it. I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. You know, much love to people doing their own thing, but I'm not really in the mood for, for collaboration. Like, how do you, how do you feel artists are in the city? I think um, a lot of artists are definitely open to collaboration uh, over the years. You know, I've, I've tried to collaborate with, but numerous people just so that there's a you know a bonding effect between you know the whole community itself um the graffiti culture is it's a lot more aggressive so coming from that to the whole street art muralist um culture uh you know it's just it's such a different vibe so i definitely wanted to push you know everybody getting along rather than everybody's you know segregated um mm -hmm. and you know i Obviously, I've had I've had uh, different moments with uh, people who I'm creating murals with, or their ego gets in the way of things, and they want to go out of line. And you know, I don't play that shit, but you know, it happens. But um, but I'm mm -hmm. still friends with all of them either way. Yeah, I feel <laughs> so, you. Okay, spilling yeah. a, a little tea, not not dropping names, but a little little bit of tea. Appreciate that. I mean, it is what it is. You know, yeah. it's like it's people. It's like people try to get away with something if they can, it's, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like you give someone an, in, there's the type of personality where you give someone an inch and they take a mile. 
I think yeah. there's but no, never, nothing's ever been like insane, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's never been like crossing the line insane. It's just like little shit. But mm-hmm. um but no, yeah, like like I said, uh I try to be friends with everybody and yeah. you know, sometimes there are conflicts within that's not about me mm-hmm. that it creates tension, you know, but, um, yeah. I think everybody usually just tries to, to get along with everybody. I'm also curious about your name. Like, I don't think I've ever asked you this too. Like, how did you, how did you choose the name Ali six? Where does that come from? When I created my character, Richie the raccoon, I had drawn it around the time I was doing graffiti. Uh, because if you do graffiti and you do a character next to it, you get extra rounding points because not everybody who does graffiti knows how to paint a character or paint a character. Well, um, so I drew a little raccoon and I didn't think much of it. You know, those people on Instagram that liked it, um, at that time, my Instagram was very heavy, just graffiti culture. Um, and then move forward a couple months later, I get arrested, uh, for my fifth and sixth time I get thrown out and I'm like, I need to do something different. Right. So, um, I looked upon the whole starting my own cartoon. I started thinking of all the things I could do with him and, um, fact that I chose a raccoon, it felt like he embodied the whole Chicago graffiti culture, whereas you have to go out between 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. to do graffiti, and um, a raccoon is nocturnal, um, as well as, you know, when you did, when I did graffiti, and a lot of people do graffiti, they steal spray paint from, like, Menards or, like, Kmart in the suburbs, and, you know, uh, it kind of reminded me of Sly Cooper, the game for the PlayStation. But the raccoon would, you know, kind of like Robin Hood, steal the, steal the stuff. Um, so I felt like the raccoon had a, just like kind of signified what what graffiti was in my mind. Um, so I, I started thinking of different ways I can, I can use him, and I figured I could create a graphic novel. That's one of, it was one of my dreams that I wanted to, as an artist, create was a graphic novel because, I've a. Uh, I've been into the whole comic book culture since I was a kid. Um, so with that, I felt the storyline would be about Aladdin. Uh, and then my raccoon would be Apu. Um, so it'd be me hanging out with my raccoon buddy and doing graffiti around the city and all these adventures. And there would be a genie, you know. I don't want to give away too much. I'm lo- still, no, I'm loving this, I'll man. I'll probably make this. <laughs> and I don't want somebody to take my idea. However, um, yeah, so because I thought of the whole Aladdin storyboard uh, connected with Chicago graffiti, um, I chose the name Ali because in Aladdin, Aladdin says to Jeannie, I want to be with the princess. And Jeannie's like, well, you can't be with a princess unless you're a prince. So then Jeannie makes Aladdin into Prince Ali. So that's where I came with Ali. And then the, the six comes from, at the time, I was really into Jordans. And my favorite Jordan model is the Jordan six. How has that played a role in influencing your art? I think, like I said, uh, I like to express my myself through my character. So, you know, I want to, to show what culture I was brought up in. So, um, you know, when I do get the chance to to show um, the neighborhood or, you know, the food that I eat or the Puerto Rican flag, I definitely do that. Um, So like, even when it was like a a really big push on Black Lives Matter, which should always be that. Mm -hmm. um, I was painting 
painting like um, boards that say a little Afro Afro Boricua, you know, because a lot of our culture, you know, because uh, a lot of the slaves came to Puerto Rico, they are not came, but you know, they're forced onto Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, we have heritage where we have African American slash Puerto Rican. Um, I used to, I was civilians, I guess, in Puerto Rico. Like my, my grandfather is like really dark. It's uh, mm-hmm. in Vega Baja. Um, so it was like this whole side of the family. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to, how you say, um, respect the whole, you know, African Puerto Rican culture. What about like getting your art noticed? Like, uh, uh, did you struggle to get your art noticed at for your art noticed at, at first? Like when when you no. transition to doing more like multimedia stuff, no, I think I was just very ambitious. Um, I took what I learned from graffiti. So in graffiti, it's like you want to. The goal in graffiti is you want to be known. You know, you want to be like somebody that people respect because your graffiti name is up everywhere in the neighborhoods, right? So you want them to be all up and down buildings and you know just omnipresent so i took what i learned from that and applied it to my career um in the art world so i've seen the result of me being omnipresent with my graffiti and how everybody respected me in that so i figured if i put my character and put the posters of him around the city that would give me the respect in the art world and that would be my advertising and marketing or when I do put pieces inside of galleries for them to be sold, you know, mm-hmm. people, if they're able to recognize something that they, they've already seen, um, they don't want to, to buy it in a gallery. Uh, so it didn't really take me long because I definitely put in that work to advertise uh, my character everywhere. And what about like looking at from when you began to where you are today, like if you had to choose like three lessons, like three key takeaways that you've learned in the Chicago art scene um, that, that you would like, especially think might be helpful for aspiring artists listening, you know, what would those three lessons or, or three takeaways be? Um, I think whenever you do business with people, uh, make sure there's a contract um, present um, and, you know, it, it could be even somebody that, you know, um, you know, business is, is business. You don't, you want it to be clear between both parties, between you and the other person that, you know, you're both on the same page about everything. Um, you can accidentally leave details out or they'll accidentally leave details out and there'll be a misunderstanding that kind of could ruin or leave a bad taste in the relationship. Uh, so I think contracts are very important and, um, also, if you have a character or starting a character within that contract, if you're licensing, which is letting somebody use your image, if you have a character, make sure that you're retaining your intellectual property rights for that character. That means that if you put in a contract that they can use your image and you don't say, I also retain my intellectual property rights, they can now own that character. and you wouldn't really be able to use it. And if you do use it, you know, they might 
bring this contract up if they notice that they own it in the next couple of years. Hmm. And then, you know, every all the money that you made off of it, they could sue you wow. uh, and take take all that from you. Um, so that that's the first thing. It's like making sure that you bring contracts into situations with business because I've one time had, you know, had done business with people that I thought I could trust. And at the end of the day, they, they sent, they gave me a contract the day before uh, a gallery and a day before that we were dropping merchandise and the merchandise um, contract was just bullshit. Like it was me making 15% and then making 85%. And uh, oh initially gosh. when they had, they had initially said that it was 50, 50, you know? Yeah. Um, Whereas the gallery side, you know, of it, you know, there, it was still, it was on contract for 3070, but still though, I designed everything. I designed all that, that merchandise that was produced. And now at, at the long run, they're, they're making, you know, they made a lot more than I did, which is, yeah. it would be fine if I didn't design everything. But the fact that I designed everything, I put in that, that labor um, time just to, just to make sure everything was correct. Um, it just felt like I got a staff in the back by, by somebody a day before mm. our gallery opening. Mm. So yeah, first thing would be black contracts. Um, second thing would be just, um, you know, work ethic is very important. You know, if you want to make sure that, uh, your artwork is, is known, you know, you have to put in that, that time to advertise your work around the city. Um, and you know, network with people uh, so that they understand, and they know what your brand is. Um, so just trying to figure out exactly what your brand is and, and spreading it as much as possible um, to uh, whoever you think would could help you. You know, and I guess that everyone is not to be afraid uh, to ask for help because I do like. I'm a multimedia artist, whereas I've learned how to tattoo from your uncle, you know, because mm -hmm. I asked him, like, can you teach me how to tattoo? You know, like, I've learned how to make rugs, you know, because I looked on, on YouTube, you know, but I guess I didn't ask anybody, but, you know, I just looked that up. You know, I learned how to paint, you know, because I asked somebody, you know, how do you do this? And they explained mm -hmm. to me the patience and layering um, paint, um, you know, learning how to build something, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with asking people for help. And I think that's something that, that, you know, in America, we always have, we just have this ego where it's like, you know, like, it's like, oh, we'll figure that out, you know, but it's mm -hmm. like, we should all be helping each other to, to try to, you know, lift each other up and each whatever path that we have. We're going to take a quick pause for the cause, pero no se muevan porque when we come back, we're going to wrap up our discussion with Ali Six with his best places to eat Puerto Rican food in Chicago and what he is most obsessed with today. Stay with us.
Los medios de comunicación locales son esenciales. En 2020, cuando las comunidades, las empresas y los ciudadanos se enfrentaron a una pandemia que interrumpió el flujo de la vida cotidiana, aumentó la necesidad de información local precisa. Información que incluyera qué negocios estaban abiertos, cuáles cerrados, dónde hacerse las pruebas, dónde encontrar ayuda. Pero cuando los medios de comunicación cerraron sus redacciones y se alejaron, la información no se detuvo. Exigieron responsabilidades al gobierno local, documentaron momentos históricos para la justicia social, compartieron la humanidad detrás de la tragedia. Mientras tanto, la financiación de ese trabajo se estaba agotando. Las empresas cuyos anuncios ayudaban a sostener los medios de comunicación cerraron o se paralizaron. Los ingresos desaparecieron. Donar hoy en savechicagomedia.org puede garantizar que su redacción local siga informando de las historias que importan a pesar de la economía actual. Invertir en los medios de comunicación locales es financiar tu comunidad. Dona hoy para ayudarnos a hacer el trabajo que importa. Dona ahora en savechicagomedia.org. We want to take this moment to say thank you again for listening. When you download our podcast or subscribe to the podcast itself, that makes a world of difference. So gracias for taking your time to listen to us. We also want to take this time to thank the sponsor of today's episode. This episode would not be possible without the generous support of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. The Puerto Rican Cultural Center, located at 2546 West Division Street, right here in Chicago, is a community-based grassroots educational health and cultural services organization founded on the principles of self-determination, self-actualization, and self-sufficiency that is all activist-oriented. For more information on the work they do, Give them a visit at their website at prcc-chgo.org. Again, that's prcc-chgo.org. Now, if you or anyone else you know would like to be a sponsor of the Paseo Podcast, please email us at paseopod at gmail.com. That's p-a-s-e-o-p-o-d at gmail.com. Tell them Joshua from Humble Park sent you. To end our show on a lighter note, we have a, a few questions here. Um, if you had to choose one spot in Chicago for like your favorite Puerto Rican food, like there's just a spot that their food just hits different. Like what is your favorite go-to Puerto Rican joint in Chicago? I mean, other than, other than the carts that are around, you know, Humble Park, I think those are yeah. great um, snack options where you can spend like, you know, a dollar or two dollars on Acapulia Papas or like all the other other great things that are there um those are great great places to start but i really like kibaritos y mas um i believe that's off of fullerton um yeah fullerton kimball i think yeah i think it's fullerton think, and kimball yeah yeah i think i think <laughs> um but i like going there um you know the food is is well portioned as well as it's just it's really good so yeah um I think wait, you grew up right. I grew uh, right up behind, behind Borinquen. I grew up behind Borinquen. Borinquen. Yeah, that's that's where I used to go when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they closed, but that's 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 what he would eat those I used to get. Funny sure. enough, funny enough, uh, Borinquen actually is credited with inventing the hibarito. Do you know no that? Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His no. name was Pete. He was the owner, the original owner <laughs> of Borinquen. I kid you not. I kid you not. <laughs> 
Yeah, I grew up. I was best friends with his son back in the day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, I would go there for everything. But yeah, there's actually I think WTTW PBS the PBS affiliate here in Chicago did a special on him. I bet you if you looked up like on YouTube, Hibarito Chicago, Pete is on there. It, uh, he got interviewed. But so yeah, we we invented it here in Chicago, the Hibarito. Yeah, that's that's what I've always known was that it was uh it, it's not like a Puerto Rican traditional no. dish. It's like. Uh, do uh, not go uh, to the uh, island and ask for a hibarito. Like a <laughs> thing, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome that you know that we we have that because I'm sure you know if you, there ha, there probably are places maybe in San Juan or something that do have hibaritos. Um, oh yeah, you know it's the fact that that made it all the way over there, or yeah. probably in other states that do have Puerto Rican culture. That's sick you know? it's, it's impressive for sure um i'm definitely obsessed with you buddy those no question um but uh switching gears a little bit to just speaking of obsessions um you know what is one thing that you're obsessed with today it can be related to puerto rican culture unrelated to puerto rican culture you know movies tv shows comic books hobbies whatever you know what are you most obsessed with today um i think you know, I'm just trying to find, uh, if it's not, I'm, I'm just kind of obsessed with my work. Yeah. <laughs> I just try to go to the next, the next, uh, job or the next project. Um, I'm always just trying to stay busy. Um, if I'm not working on something for a week. It really gives me anxiety. Um, I'm just like constantly busy. I'm just so used to that for so many years that like, yeah. you know, when I do, like I said, if I do have a week where I'm not doing something, it's just, feel like I'm, I'm failing myself. Um, but other than being obsessed with my work, I'm obsessed with evolving as a person as well. Um, just trying to find out, you know, what's the best thing for your soul, you know, um, how to evolve, you know, in the sense of, um, physical or mental, um, you know, I just try to be the best person I can be to be a role model for my brother and sister. Yeah, um, for sure. And any anybody else who you know who who does um, look up to me or finds me as an inspiration, you know, I, I try to push, you know, um, physical fitness and mental health, and you know, uh, how you say believing in yourself, you know. Yeah. Because I think I think that's one of the things if you want it to be an entrepreneur, you know, you just have to. The first step is believing that you can really do it and you can visualize yourself in a position that you want to be. So, so um, just speaking of being obsessed with your work, let's stick on that thread. I mean, what projects do you have going on right now? You know, what projects do you have coming up? You know, what should our audience know? Um, so I do have a show um, with Vertical Project Space, which is off of Chicago and Damon. Um, it's going to be on June 19th, and it has an assortment of work that are multimedia, uh, whereas there are laser cuts, there are piece, piece of furniture, there's painting on grenades, thing on mirrors. Um, it's going to be skate decks that are painted, um, and not actually, not even painted, there's like a hologram on there. Um, there is going to be like metal figures that are presented as well metal sculptures 10 inch metal sculptures um and the show is called trust um and it all just kind of has to do with um 
you know, the whole body of work has the subject of trust in different ways. Whereas, you know, uh, Adam and Eve with the apple or gravity with the apple or, you know, an apple being on somebody's head to, to get shot off with an arrow. Um, so a lot of it does have the, the apple in it, you know, in different parts of the show. But, um, but yeah, so I have that coming up. As well as I have a couple murals, um, about to paint a mural in Wicker Park on Walking Wood. Um, I painted it before, but now the Wicker Park uh, Chamber of Commerce is uh, commissioning me to paint again. Um, and in commemoration of, um, I think her name is Maria. Um, she had gotten stabbed um, while working at the Walgreens that it's right next to. Uh, which right. is unfortunate. Uh, so doing a, a mural that commemorates her and I have a couple other mural projects coming up um, and collaborations. So always pretty, pretty busy, especially in the summertime being somebody who paints murals and in the winter time, you can't really do that because yeah. the paint, um, paint cans don't really work. So yeah. not like they do and I can, freely be out you know it gets a lot more busy uh this is prime this is prime time for you we're gonna we're in getting the summertime shy so it'll be exciting to see you out and about throughout the city um really curious uh for people that are listening to this that you know don't want the conversation to end that want to keep up with you keep up with your work i know you mentioned uh the upcoming show on juneteenth june 19th um actually when this airs it'll be not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. So everybody listening, go, definitely go check that out. Uh, but between now and then, you know, how can people keep up with you? Do you have social media uh, channels, uh, website? You know, give us all the things. How do people stay up to date? I usually keep um, all my new projects on my Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is at ali underscore six underscore. I, I treat it like a portfolio. So um, all my work is usually updated on there. Um, and then where I put my merchandise would be ALI, the number six, Chicago.bigcartel.com. Ali six multimedia artist from Chicago. Thank you so much for being on the Paseo podcast today. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's our show for today, familia. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did or didn't let us know, Paseo podcast at gmail.com or at Baseo Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned next week for an all-new episode of the podcast. Before we go on break for the summer, our guest will be Sara Awartani. She is a postdoctoral fellow in the Charles Warren Center for Studies in American History at Harvard University. We're going to discuss settler colonialism and the significance of Palestinian-Puerto Rican solidarity. Until then, as always, if you want to pitch a story idea, nominate yourself or someone else for an interview, or share a new story you'd like us to discuss on the show, visit our website, baseomedia.org, to do just that. See you next week. Without our awesome guests, this podcast would not be possible. And without you, our listeners, this would not be possible. So we really appreciate you listening. If you want to reach out to the show, connect with us by visiting our website, baseomedia.org, emailing us at baseopodcast at gmail.com, and following us at baseopodcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a tip, want to pitch a story, 
or send us a compliment. We love to hear from you. Thanks for downloading this episode and see you next week. Cuídate.